Welcome to the Livingstone Bible Church podcast. Livingstone Bible Church is located in Union, New Jersey, where we build lives on God's Word. We, instead of leveraging each other's abilities, we become so centered that all of a sudden we want to detract. We don't want to interact with others. We want to make our own decisions. We want to, you know, we, we, we want to just do things for ourselves. And over time, we become accustomed to just walking alone. And we think by walking alone, we're going to achieve God's maximum, God's best. I want to help you and I to search the scriptures. Because the more I search the scriptures, the more I find that God intends for each and every one of us to build each other up. The scripture that we just meditated, okay, Ephesians chapter 4, it says, but to each one of us, I'm reading verse 7 right now, Ephesians 4, 7, it says, but to each one of us, Grace has been given as apportioned, as Christ apportioned it. There is no one given all of the grace. He says every one of us has a measure of grace. Now, what does that word grace mean? Grace means simply God's supernatural ability. Or you can call it a gift. That means when you were living in heaven, God deposited in you certain talents, certain gifts, certain abilities, certain skills. But you didn't get everything. Because if you got everything, he won't say it was apportioned. Does your Bible say apportioned? Yes. Can we read? Can, does anybody have a... Where's my cell phone? Do you have this in New King James? I have New King James. Can you read New King James, please? Or or can you, do we have uh, the Amplified Version? I'm trying to pull up the Amplified Version real quick. Go ahead and and read New King James. Um, Which verse? Ephesians 4, 7. Um, But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Grace was given according to the measure of whom's gift? Christ. Of Christ's gift. Okay? Um, I want to read it in the Amplified. Let me see if I can grab it in Amplified. In Amplified, it says, Yet grace, God's undeserved favor, was given to each one of us, not indiscriminately, but in different ways, in portion to the measure of Christ's abundant gift. What this is saying is, you just got a portion. Meaning that if the grace was a... Oh, oh my goodness, I wish there was a huge cake in front of me. Think of grace, okay, all of grace as a cake the size of this table. And you just got a slice. When you go to a party, right, you don't get the whole cake, do you? 
I know some of you can eat the whole cake, but you only get one. You get a slice. You have a slice of the total gift that is in Christ Jesus. Please, can you say that to your neighbor? You only have a slice. You only have a portion. No one has it all. Oh, church, we need to get this. No one has it all. And the scripture says, because no one has it all, that's why he apportioned, if you go on to verse 8, okay? He says, in verse 8, this is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many calf many captives and he gave he gave what gifts to his what to his people sister Tony do you have all of the gifts no I don't sister Bossa do you have all of the gifts no no Femi Agumbiere do you have all of the gifts no brother Mark Agbeji means what I wanted to say do you have all of the gifts nobody no one has all the gifts. So why do we think that we can do it alone? When you only have a slice of the gift, what makes you think you can do it alone? Let me pause there. Meditate on that a little bit. We'll come back to that. Now, the only one that has all of the gifts, because you and I, we're told, according to the scriptures, we only have a measure of the gift of all that's in Christ Jesus. You only have a slice of what's in him. He is the only one that was given the full measure of all the gifts. He has all the capabilities, all the wisdom, all the knowledge, all the understanding. He was there in the beginning when heart was made. He was there in the beginning when the universes were made. He spoke it into existence. That's why he's the third person of the Godhead. Because we are told there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and all the three of them are God in one. And the scripture says he created you and I in his own image and his own, in his own likeness. So you, just like God is three in one, you are three in one. You have a body. You, have a, you are a spirit being. You have a soul and you live in a body. Glory be to God. When God created everything and made you, he made you like himself. You are a three person in one. Yes. Just like God is one God demonstrated in three persons. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. But when Jesus, who had all the gifts, who had all the talents, had all the skills, all the abilities, when he was born into this world, I want you to, 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 to oh, let, me not, oh, let me not go there. We are told, oh, I get so excited. First John 5, 7. Let's go to First John 5, 7. First John chapter 5, verse 7. Glory to God in the highest. 
I am so excited about this message. I'm preaching myself out of my shoes. First John chapter 5 verse 7. It says, For there are three that testify, the spirit, the water, and the blood. And there are three in agreement. We accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God which he has given about his son. Whoever believes in the Son of God accepts this testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his Son. You know what I'm trying to say? God is three persons, and in order for him to get his God-given job done, he needed himself as a father, he needed himself as a son, he needed himself as the what? As the Holy Spirit. He knew it's one person working to achieve his own goals and objectives. And yet, when God the Son came into this world, and at the age of 30, he began his ministry. When Jesus began his ministry, please, can you answer this question for me? Did he do it by himself, or did he involve others? The scripture says the first thing he did was what? He what? He called the 12 apostles. The 12 disciples. The first thing Jesus did was he realized the work was so heavy and he needed 12 inner circle. The 12 disciples were just his inner circle. The scripture talks about the 120 or is it 125? The scripture talks about the 500. What I'm trying to get to is that Jesus did not do the work alone, but he leveraged all the people around him that he could what? Leverage. Leverage. Now, one unique thing I want to take up a little side journey. When Jesus began to call his disciples, I just said, you know what? Did he call just one type of people with one type of skill sets? Remember, you have only what? A slice of gift. The first set of people that Jesus called, Peter, Andrew, James, John, Thomas, and Nathaniel. Can anybody tell me what was their uh, um, occupation? Thank you. They were all fishermen. 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 Six of the twelve were fishermen. Fishermen. Professional fishermen. The next was also Matthew. Anybody know? Matthew also called Levi. You know that his, his, his uh, occupation? Anybody knows? He's a ta pastor. Tax collector. Tax collector. Tax collector. Matthew was what? Why did he go out there? Jesus realized he needed somebody to manage his what? Taxes. So he onboarded a what? A tax collector. They get on the wall says there are two things that are guaranteed in this life. You're going to die and you're going to pay taxes. Jesus realized it. And he quickly did what? Hired a tax advisor. <laughs> then he hired Judas Iscariot. 
Anybody know Judas Iscariot's uh, occupation? He was a treasurer. He was the finest person. He was a, that's why he got into trouble. Jesus knew he needed somebody that understood financial what? Dealings. He hired a tax collector. If you didn't make any money, you won't need to pay taxes. Jesus knew he was going to make money. And he hired a financial person. He onboarded Judas Iscariot to manage his assets. Maybe you and I could learn from that. Then we are told about Simon the Zealot. Anyone knows what Simon's occupation is? Take a guess. What do, what do you always need in this life? Buying a house, you need the what? You have, an, uh, you have an, uh, 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 somebody sues you, you need a what? A lawyer. Simon the Zealot was a lawyer. Now, there are others which we do not know what they assume profession. Luke, who came later, was not one of Jesus' disciples, was a physician. The point I'm trying to make is this. In order for Jesus to fulfill his ministry, he hired a lawyer, he hired a finance person, he hired a tax collector, and he knew the bulk of the work was what? Ministry to people. Right. Fishing the men. Fishing, fishers of men. That's what he told Peter. He says, no longer will you be anything but to fish men. The point I'm trying to get to church, let's not lose the number one point. Jesus, who was gifted with all gifts, with all talents, with all abilities, had to go and surround himself with a network of various types of talents in order for him to fulfill his ministry, in order for him to fulfill his destiny. What makes you think you can do it all by yourself? What makes you think that you don't need the advice of the financial advisor? What makes you think you don't need the counsel of a tax collector? What makes you think you don't need a circle of attorneys that surround you? What makes you think that you don't need a circle of engineers, a circle of architects, a circle of medical professionals, a circle of physical therapists, a circle of all various types of profession in order for you to be successful in life? Can I bring it home? Let's go deeper. I want everybody to quickly show me what, what is your profession here? What do you do? Standing here. Accountant. Accountant. Recruitment manager. Recruitment manager. Case manager. Case manager. Child protection. Huh? Child protection. Child protection. Designer. Designer. Real estate investor. Real estate investor. Come on, come on, come on. Everybody show me what you do. I'm a basketball player. Basketball player. Software engineering. Retirement planning. Construction manager. Data engineer. Attorney. Clinician. Clinician. Whatever. The point I'm trying to make is this. No matter what profession you're in, okay? Yeah. How many of you have reached the top of your profession? 
Nobody? You have not reached your, the point of your, the top of your... Let me ask you the question again. How many of you know how to get to the top of your profession? How many of you know and understand the career path to get to the top of your profession? That's what I'm trying to get you. Many of us don't know. We are just, we, our heads are buried in day to day. I just want to go to work and come back home. I just want to go to work and come back home. I just want to go to work and come back home. I just want to go to work and come back home. And you don't even think of how to climb the ladder of success in the profession that you are in. Some of us, is so bad, we don't even know what career path to take. Some of us, we're so, it's so bad, we, we have no clue how to navigate. I ask people all the time. On my team, I'm also, okay, a risk audit and risk management professional. And I'm always asking my team, do you know your next? Don't, you can't work in my team if you don't know and understand how you are going to get to the top. You cannot work for me if you don't have a vision, is what I'm trying to work, say. I don't want to hire people who don't have a vision. Why? Because people who don't have a vision will derail my ability to be successful. No matter what age you are in this life, you need to have a vision. Short-term vision, one to three years. Mid-term vision, three to five years. Long-term vision, five to ten years. Where do you think you want to be? And I'm not saying be, your vision should not just be based on what people are you know, throwing out there, what you just read. No, it's got to be practical things. How can I get to the next level? Every year when I sit, twice a year, I sit down with my own manager. And I ask him, during those two conversations, how am I going to get to the next level? How am I going to get to the next level? You should be having those conversations with your leader. You should be having those conversations because you want to be successful in the work that you are doing. Or else... You will plateau, and the next time they are doing a round of layoffs, your job is going to be what? Yeah. Look, let me let in this in this day and age, in everybody's job is on the line. I work for an organization where in the past two years they've changed the CEO, the CFO. The CIO and every single person at the C level, except for maybe two people, have been changed. Every single person. When I started with the company, the people that were on the big chart, the leadership, today, two years into it, they are no longer there. If the people at the top, their jobs are not safe, what makes you think your own is safe? What makes you think your own is safe? 
A lot of people today, they don't realize. How many of you have heard of the word digitization? How many? Raise your hands. Seriously. You know what that means? They are replacing you with computers. They are replacing you with computers. They are looking for ways, okay? Doctors, medical doctors, are being replaced in hospitals by external... You know, today, they can do surgery for a person, and the doctor can be in London, and they have robots that are here in America doing surgery on the person. Oh, you haven't said that yet? Oh, man. You are way behind. You are way behind. The doctor in London, the reason they're using the doctor in London and you put a robot here is because it's cheaper. Technology is moving at a pace where um, when I was at I worked for UPS from 99 to 2005. Okay? And I watched the transformation of one of the largest hubs of UPS. And they built a bigger hub that is millions of square foot where it was all robots. From the time the package arrived, the plane lands, it's robots that pick the package up from the plane, bring it into the warehouse, put it on the conveyor belts. There are miles of conveyor belts to route the package to whichever plane is going to go to carry it to the next destination. And no human being is touching it. I've worked for two pharmaceutical organizations where once your prescription is approved, no man touches it touches and dispenses the medication until it arrives in your house. It's all automated. So if you're a pharmacist, tell me, how, how much longer do you think you will have? Very soon they will start putting algorithms together. That once your doctor prescribes and sends and presses the button, there will be nobody that needs to touch the dispensation of that drug. They won't even need a pharmacist to give it another look. Why am I sharing this? How did we end up here? Because we need to be talking. You need to have a network of all the things of these people around you to help you to big, build your career. Those that are in accounting right now, okay, ledgers, used to be a time when you manually have to do what? Manually do ledgers. What's happening today? It's all been done behind the scenes electronically. Any, anybody here ever heard of bots? It's a short name for a robot that basically takes an invoice, looks at the invoice, takes the payment, maps it together. The things that, you know, human beings used to do. Validated, payment made. No human being touching it. 
These are all just the tip of the iceberg. I don't know what 10 years from now is going to look like. But if you sit down there and you think you have a long-term career, well, I hope you know how to drive EPS truck. By the way, for those of you who like driving Uber, have you know, do you know that there is now they are pioneering Uber, uh, driverless Ubers in California? Oh, you can say you're not getting it, but let me tell you something. You are saying that right now because you're not used to it. The, the day you begin to see everybody taking it. Trust me, what? You will, you will call your Uber. You will think there is somebody in front. By the time you, you open the door, you sit down there. By the time you discover, you start screaming in the back. <laughs> The car has already moved on. The car has already moved on. Teslas. How many of you have seen Teslas? Driverless Teslas. They are doing them now. Driverless Teslas. They're still in court though. Okay? You said they're still in And you know what? In five years, everybody will be so used to it. Everybody will be so used to it. You just, you, yeah, I, I can't wait to get my own driverless Tesla. Seriously? Tesla. Because I just want to sit in the back seat for a change. I don't mind. I'll just sit in the back seat with my newspaper. And I'll tell the guy, car, please take me to uh, 420. Well, hopefully we'll be in 420. You know? I want to, I want, the point I'm trying to make is this. You need to surround yourself with all the various sources of information to help you in your career. We need each other more than ever before. Because you, if you're not, if you're not, life will pass you by. Life will pass you by. I work in the real estate industry. Let me tell you something. Realtors, five years from now, the, the things, the products that are coming out of real estate organizations, none of them are pro-real estate agents. None of them are pro-real estate agents. You just be able to go online, put all your information in. That's it. Car sales. Car sales? Car sales are, are becoming, yeah, car yeah. salesmen are becoming a, have you, have you been to, I went to a, a, a uh, online car, um, what do you call this? They say company called Carbona. Yes. Carbona. I stopped when I was there too. There's like three of them out there now. Yeah. And they have a factory that's all the way up. Your car will just slide down. If you order Tesla right now, they will deliver it to your house. There's no, you don't need anybody to touch. You know, you don't need. So anybody in sales, people that are in sales, your environment is changing. Everybody now has to be a knowledge what worker. Everybody has to become a knowledge worker. 
I looked, I was, on, I was uh, watching a documentary two weeks ago. And then I noticed something. Ha, I said, no, this can't be. Trucks, driverless trucks. Yeah. All over the Midwest. You don't even know. You just see trucks. And they were talking, they were talking they about, they, they, were do, they were doing, some, I looked at said, how come this truck, it was just the box, there was no, there was no cab, you know the cab is where the drive, and there was no cab. Ha, I said, maybe it's a train, I said, I, 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 so I took my remote control, I, 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 I reversed, <laughs> I, I, I didn't rewind, I reversed, <laughs> you know, and I'm looking at a truck, that was driving itself on GPS and from the destination of where it picked up the fruit till it put itself on the loading dock of the supermarket where it was going to deliver. There was nobody driving it. There was nobody driving it. It was just a box on wheels that drove itself to the supermarket. So, the reason I'm bringing all this up is this. This is not a time for us to sit back and say, I'm an island to myself. This is not a time for us to say, well, you in the food business. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It started with what? Uber what? Uber Eats. Right now, there are there are organizations that will make the food and deliver it at the exact time you want on your table, mm -hmm. hot and fresh. Hot and fresh. You say, well, I'm, you're like my wife. I, I, can't, I can't eat food that was prepared by somebody else. Let me tell you something. Your old Morocco. Your Akbu, your Eforiro, <laughs> and your Pan and Yam. It's gonna come, it's gonna be made by machines that will bring it right on the table. And it will even taste better, okay, than what human beings are making. It's happening. It's happening. And so when all these things are happening around us and we keep our head buried, I'm telling you. We just we're setting ourselves up for uh, a major challenge. Mm -hmm. We're setting ourselves up for major challenges. Let me bring this home, amen. amen. The scripture says in Leviticus chapter twenty-six. Please let me have your attention. Leviticus twenty-six verse eight. We always quote it. It says, five of you will chase a hundred. A hundred of you will chase ten thousand." And your enemies will fall by the sword before you. Amen. Let me let me let me interpret it, okay, in 2019 language. The people it simply means the people that are well connected will succeed, where those who are fewer connected will not succeed. If you are not building a network of subject matter experts around you, and all you are you know, going, ah, Nigerian party, you know, this is the love. Let me tell you something. Life will pass you by. 
Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 9. It says, two are better than one. Because they have a good return on their labor. If a man falls into a hole, it's more difficult for him to come out than if two people fall into a hole. If two people fall into a hole, one can put one on the other shoulder and they can leverage each other to one. The point I'm trying to make is this. You need to build a network of people around you, professionals, to achieve your God-given goals. Even in the ministry today, we need each other than ever before. Because it's a relationship that builds people to stay in the body of Christ. All members of the body of Christ, we are one. We're in the same body. The scripture describes us using the human anatomy. Your head can't wake up one day and say, you know what? I'm so upset with the feet. We can't be in the same body I'm going. You know what that means? Death. Simple. Right? Your stomach can say, I've not been fed in three days. You know what? I'm coming out. Out of where? There's <laughs> a problem. Your fingers can say, you know what? I'm tired of doing all the work around here. Okay? I'm folding myself up, and I'm not going to do anything. There's a problem. Your feet can say, or your legs can say, you know what? Today, we're going on strike. That's a problem. We need each other. More than ever before, we need each other. Jesus selected disciples that were committed. You know, there are certain things we can learn from these disciples. The first thing that was is a common theme amongst all the disciples, they all had work. Jesus did not pick anybody that was not working. So on top of the fact that they had their own independent jobs, they are now members of Jesus' ministerial association. When you are picking people around you, don't pick people who are not jobless. what? Jobless. <laughs> don't pick people who are not busy. Don't pick people who have no future. Because they will bring you down. Did you, for those of you who are here yesterday, do you know that that was one of Isata's message? Mm -hmm. It says, when she was in college, she looked around, she saw it, saw it, and she picked friends that were only in A's and B's. Mm -hmm. Because she knew that if she picked friends with C, that were making C and D's very soon, that is where she too will what? End up. So Jesus selected people who are busy doing something. Number two, Jesus loves diversity. Today, the way we interpret diversity is different. <laughs> I'm not going to go into that. Amen. Notice I didn't say diversity and inclusion. No. Diversity and discrimination. 
You need to discriminate who is in your circle of friends. People that are pulling you down should not be in your circle of friends. People that have no vision should... Look, you should be a racist when it comes to people in your circle of friends. You should be the best... Is it the best or the worst racist? <laughs> I don't know. Should but you should be a racist. There's nothing good about it. racism. You should be the worst. Not racism in terms of color. Oh, no, I don't mean racism. You should be a... The word racism is not only about color. It's about every so many other things. What I'm trying to say is... Prejudice. It's a definition. Okay? You just need to be prejudiced about who you allow into your circle of friends. Selective. But in, you see, if I use the word selective, it's not going to get the point across. The reason I purposely use the word racist so that I can get the point across. You understand? You have to be extremely selective. Some of us, we are afraid of people who are successful. Oh, let me... Can I tell the truth? We don't, hang around, we don't want to hang around people who are successful because they make us feel certain ways. They make us... They make us uncomfortable. Mm. And I have to be honest. I had the same issue. When the CFO, I worked, when I was in Horizon, Blue Cross Blue Shield, and the CFO and I became, you know, a little bit close. close. Yeah, thank you. I was very afraid of this guy. He's the CFO. And he, the first thing I knew he was going to do was he was going to challenge me. The reason I was afraid of being in a circle was that he was going to challenge me and I was afraid of being challenged and not rising to the level of the challenge. And I knew I had to face my fears. So when I finally faced my fears and I started getting in more attention, I knew the first thing he did, Chris, I want you in diversity. I want you to lead the uh, uh, what they call AIDS, um, uh, Association of the Black uh, Americans Community in Horizon, you know, whatever they were calling it. He said, I want you to lead, to play a leading role there. And I said, oh my God, this is what I'm afraid of. <coughs> On top of the work I have to do now, and he has to add all this. No, let's be honest. The reason we, we are afraid, I know people that I, try, that I try to get close, and even in this church, there are certain people I try to get close to, but they run away from me because they know I'm going to check in on them. They know I'm going to check in on them, and when I mean by checking in on them, I'm going to ask the difficult question you do not want to ask. Ask yourself. Ask your pastor. Praise the Lord. Some of us are like that. But we have to face our fears. We have to face our fears. 
Yesterday, Moses was saying, he said, oh, you know how pastor will get on your case when you don't complete your, your, um, your, essay, your essay questions and all that? I said, that's right. That's right. That's the job of a good mentor, to be on your case. Some of us, we need good mentors. Yes. Yeah. Good talking to. Praise the Lord. You don't want to hear it. You just want to keep your face straight and do your own thing. No, you need somebody that's going to sit you down and tell you the truth you don't want to hear. But in love. Oh, sometimes it may not be in love. It does not necessarily have to be. I want to hear the truth about my own character. I want to hear the truth of somebody. One of my mentors gave me a kick in the royal pants this year. And I ran from the, And she's, she's 12 years younger than me. A woman. And I didn't want to hear what she had to say. But you know what? When she's sitting in the role of a senior VP and she's telling me, I know what is in you, Chris. I know you can do better than what you're doing. I didn't want to hear it. I wanted to go comfortable. Some of us, we have a knack. When we find our comfort zone, we just want to settle there. And that's the worst thing you can, worst decision you can make in life. I'll be honest with you. My wife and I talked about this this year. I don't, my house was paid for in Opakon. I didn't need to move closer. I could have paid off my mortgage, settled down in Opakon, and stayed there. But let me tell you something. The Lord woke me up one day and said, you will die in five years if you stay here. I've never told anybody that. You will die in five years if you stay here. Now, I don't know whether he's talking about spiritual death or physical death, but I knew the day I heard that because I had become complacent. I had found a place of comfort, and I was willing to settle there. Just settle there, do nothing. I already had somebody that mows the lawn. I will, I will tell my wife, we'll get somebody to clean the house. I was getting home, and I was in bed by 7 o'clock. Oh. Some days I'll be in bed at 7.30. My wife and I, we were, we were talking about, ah, one day we found ourselves 8 o'clock in bed. <laughs> like, what are we doing? You know, that's a quick recipe. Your body will just decay. Your mind becomes dead. I'm trying. <laughs> How old am I? <laughs> How old am I that I will be in bed at 8 o'clock? <laughs> no, let's be honest. I'm being honest. And some of you young ones, you are, you are worse off than me. Playing video, you get home at six o'clock and it's video game, a, a video game, a, a video game. No, that's not. God wants us to be using our mind to take our. You know what? It's not enough for me to challenge myself. I have to challenge myself because I want to mentor more people. I want to have. A, do you know how many kids came here this past one week? Mm -hmm. yeah. 
that have no future, no vision. Yeah. I could have been, if I was in Otakon, you think I'll be scheduling all this, all this, oh, oh we just, Arimi and I just cleaned off the, uh, all this, all this activities. No. Complacency will not allow me to do that. And I will not be able to influence lives that God wants me to touch. Mm -hmm. Give these kids a vision. Challenge the parents who came. We can't settle down. We can't settle down. The Bible says, a little sleep, a little slumber, and so shall poverty come on you like an armed bandit. Let's all stand. The scripture in Ephesians says we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. According to the grace, 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 God's supernatural ability. God has given you something to develop the people around you. We should be challenging each other. Each other. We should be motivating each other. If you are in the choir, you should be bringing new songs to the table. If you are in usher, you should be looking for ways to rearrange and get everything done in this church. If you are, if you are, uh, 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 whatever you are in, you should be, you should be challenging. The women's group is there. We should be working on youth department, children's ministry, ushering, men's ministry, media team. We should be getting all these things up and running. We should be plugging ourselves in to do more. You should be bringing ideas to the table every single Sunday. You should be researching what's going on at this church. We should be finding ways in which we can build the kingdom of God. God didn't design us so that we can sit and keep the chairs warm. God didn't design us so that we can be lazy. Some of us, money, 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 you're chasing money, 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 money on. And when the guy finally gets it, where does he go? Where does he go? What are you using it for? Huh? To buy stuff you don't need? To impress people you don't like, that don't like you? That's real. Huh? Seriously? Oh, can we be real, church? I'm challenging this church. As we're going into 2020, everybody needs to roll up their sleeves. We need to roll up our sleeves on a personal level to motivate each other. If you don't know how you can get to the top of your career, then you know what? Come talk to Pastor. Pastor, I don't know seriously where I'm going with my life. Huh? I really don't know. I'm just eating like a barracuda. <laughs> my stomach is growing this way, my butt is growing that way. I've become lazy. Why am I saying that? Because you need somebody 
to whip you into shape. We could look around you. Sister Coco, ah, you know, I'm coming to your house this Sunday. I know you said, Pastor said, you know, I shouldn't come. come Pastor said, don't don't come. come. But I'm violating that. I am violating because you and I, we have to talk. We have to talk. We have to talk. I need, I need you to help me. I don't know where I'm going. I'm always home. Yeah, I go to bed at seven o'clock. I'm always home. You move that I'm always home. You know? Seriously. You just have to call. Pastor, we're going to talk. I need advice. What about my career? I need advice. I have an idea about some things I want us to do in the church. Can we talk? That's how we're going to grow. And that's how you're going to grow. And that's how you're going to build your own ministry. This church is not anti-ministry. I've been waiting for pastors. You're all pastors coming out of this church. It's about time you go start your own. All right. Mr. Demas says I shouldn't say that. All right. I know, but at the appropriate time. Yeah. I have to. I need people to step into their own roles. God did not call me to possess a person. This church is not in the business of possessing people. What I do not entertain is people going for jumping from church to church to church. Yes, yes, she's right to some extent. There's a lot of work to be done here. Amen. Amen. But if you have a call of God and you're seated on, and all you're doing is keep the chair warm, please. Move. Move. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you in the mighty name of Jesus. We give you all the praise. Let's lift up our hands and just worship in the name of the Lord. Lord, I pray, if there be any that is slothful, deliver them. If there be any that is lazy, Lord, break that curse upon their life. If there be any amongst us, oh Lord our God, that Father God is blinded, Today, let them see in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. If there be any that is afraid, your word says you have not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. We cast that fear into the ocean, never to be seen again in the name Amen. of Jesus. Lord Almighty, some of us, we have not been risk takers. Some of us, we are misguided. Some of us, oh Lord our God, is just plain stupid laziness. Lord, whatever the case may be, Lord, I pray this, this afternoon, deliver us in Jesus' name. Amen. Help us, O oh Lord, I know. Some of us, we are bound by wrong priorities. Wrong priorities. We are not focused. God of mercy and grace, Help us to focus on Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, O Lord. 
We pray for the change. We pray for the latter and the former rain to come. Lord, breathe the breath of life into every man, every woman in this sanctuary. And let us come alive. And bring your name, all the praise and all the glory in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. We glorify your name. In Jesus' name we pray. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Thanks for tuning in to this week's Livingstone Bible Church podcast. We hope you were richly blessed by this podcast. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram.